This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom Dioria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom Dioria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk on this, the fourth Sunday of July. It's July 27, 2014. July is over. My goodness, we're moving into August. Uh, we're on at 6 p.m. in New York and 3 p.m. in Arizona, and we're live from our New York offices. And we're going to be discussing confidential collaboration, secure business file sharing in today's cybercrime-laden environment. How about that for a title? Our guest is Hainan Landa, and uh, we'll get to Hainan uh, after the uh, introductory segment. I'm Tom Diori. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guest, our show will help our listeners, whether they're business or home technology users, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can dial... 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. If you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send uh, an email question at techtalk at imi-us.com. And if you want to listen to us live but you can't get to your radio, we're being simulcast on the web, so you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, please uh, go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are archived. You can download them, listen to them as many times as you want. Um, and it's free, so take advantage of it. So please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment that we can review is our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Jose Batista, Dave Brandon, and Dan Dioria. NYC.gov tells us that kicking off an inaugural Tech Talent Summit, more than 100 attendees gathered at I at the New School's Woolman Hall to discuss the future of the city's workforce development and its tech talent pipeline. The summit uh, was held to solicit feedback and best practices from the community, helping shape the future investments in education and the city's technology sector, which is part of the Mayor de Blasio's border plan to tackle income inequality for growing the city's thriving innovation economy and expanding job opportunities in higher-wage industries with ample advancement potential for New Yorkers. In partnership with the city government and sponsored by the New School, the event was organized by the New York Tech Meetup, Coalition for Queens, Code to Work, Startup Box South Bronx, per Scholas and FedCap. Mayor de Blasio announced the launch of the Tech Talent Pipeline during uh, Internet Week, 
New York in conjunction with Jobs for New Yorkers Task Force as one of the administrative key workforce development initiatives. Uh, the purpose of the tech talent pipeline is to support the growth of tech sector by recruiting and training New Yorkers, design new curricula to meet employer need, and engaging employers in business building the talent pipeline. Okay. Uh, as you may have read in the paper, it seems some vandals, and we're not sure exactly who yet, they're still investigating, uh, changed the American flags on the two towers of the uh, Brooklyn Bridge to white flags, um, even though there are cameras around and police stationed all around. Um, it's not clear how they did it at night. Uh, and um, looking at the technological aspects of this, uh, it's an interesting sight to see when we uh, went there um, when uh, the flags were flying white. Uh, so as soon as we learned something a little bit more about the technology that was in place and what technology they might be uh, replacing it to better monitor that, uh, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. TechCrunch tells us a New York meeting providing information to companies interested in offering free Wi-Fi access counted Google among its attendees. Others at the event included IBM, Samsung, and Cisco. But Google's ambitious ambitions regarding blanketing the U.S. with free and affordable Internet connectivity could be a good reason. So suspect it'll submit a compelling proposal to the New York Department of IT called Do It. Uh, to be the one to gird New York in wireless connections. Google has already offered up free Wi-Fi in around the offices in Chelsea, um, where it is uh, its main East Coast office, and has a number of other initiatives in the works to provide people in the United States and beyond with cheaper, more abundant access to connectivity. The benefit for Google is clear the Internet giant only has as many potential clients as there are connected to consumers. The plan in New York City uh, is running to enable its pay phone locations with Wi-Fi, stipulates that providers can't charge for it. They can instead charge for the service and incorporate advertisements. The request covers all of New York's 7,300 pay phones which uh, would mean that the success completion of which would mean that the successful completion of a project would result in a city pretty much blanketed with free Wi-Fi. The RFP from the city also stipulates that users, once connected to the payphone hotspot, can connect to any other in the city without having to log on anew. That would be pretty interesting. Recode tells us that uh, within just a week to go until the filing deadline, companies are starting to weigh in on the Federal Communication Commission's controversial fast lane net neutrality proposal. E-commerce marketplace, ETSY, said in a blog post that it can't support the current proposal, which would allow Internet providers to charge content companies to use faster priority lanes into subscribers' home. The company said Etsy's uh, continued growth depends on equal access to consumers. The FCC's net neutrality proposal would ban Internet providers from discriminating against legal Internet traffic and from blocking websites. But Internet activists complain the agency isn't using sound legal footing for the proposal and should instead simply re-regulate Internet lines under rules written for phone networks. 
So this is the battle that we talked about in a previous show a week or two ago about what this means and who's getting what from whom. So uh, we're going to have to see where this goes and if it goes anywhere and whether or not all this input having any effect. Okay, and um, General Motors said in the Dallas News that it expected to pay at least $400 million in compensation to victims of faulty ignition slip tied to 13 deaths. I still think they're making recalls on other things, too. The automaker included the estimate in a report of its second quarter earnings, which dropped 84% from a year earlier because of huge recall costs and charges to the future. GM, the nation's largest automaker, said it earned $192 million in the quarter, down from $1.2 billion a year ago. That's a pretty big difference from government motors. While the company had healthy operating performances in North America and China, the financial toll continued to mount from its ignition switch crisis. For the first time, GM put a cost estimate on the injury and death claims it expected to receive for accidents related to defective ignition switches. And finally, Wall Street Journal tells us that Google has approved just over half of its received requests to remove web page links from individual named search results in Europe. This is according to a person familiar with the matter, a rate that could soothe tensions with privacy regulators but raise concerns about censorship with free speech advocates. The company told uh, privacy regulators during the meeting that it removed slightly more than 50% of the URLs that have been submitted to it under Europe's new right to be forgotten established by a court decision. During the meeting, Google said it had rejected just over 30% of the requests it has received and has requested more information from requesting parties in 15% of the cases. So that's uh, an interesting thing. We'll see where that goes as well and whether or not it has any ramifications in the United States. This is Tom DiOrio. We're live on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 27th of July, 2014. We're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, Hanan Landa, and talk to you about cybercrime laden environments and ways to protect your small and medium-sized business. So please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 27th of July, 2014. And as I uh, mentioned to you before the break, we're going to talk to you today about confidential collaboration, secure business file sharing in today's cybercrime-laden environment. So if you watch uh, any of these high-tech movies or you read the paper, and your head's not buried in the sand, you'll know what we're talking about. But our guest, Hainan Landa, is the CEO of Optimal Networks and has been providing management IT, managed IT services to hundreds of clients since 1991. His uh, team uses their high spirit to fuel a commitment to unwavering client service and technology guidance. Uh, they deliver unparalleled business and technical expertise to law firms, associations, and small and mid-sized businesses and organizations in, Was- in the Washington, D.C. community. 
Hainan earned his Bachelor and Master's of Science degrees in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science from the John Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he received his MBA from the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. And it was uh, there that uh, he developed the idea for optimal networks and crafted a business plan emphasizing corporate culture that helped guide the company through its formative years. So we really appreciate your taking the time to be with us, and uh, hopefully at the end of this interview our listeners will be a little bit more savvy about securing their businesses. Thank you, Tom. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So uh, before we start getting into the nitty-gritty, tell our listeners who may not be aware today's cybercrime-laden environment, just give us a little background of what that really means and is everything in cyberspace crime-laden? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, no, not everything in cyberspace is crime-laden, but... Um, there has really been an uptick in the amount of cybercrime and identity theft that we see uh, going on, and it's becoming more and more prominent. So you have companies stealing credit card information. Um, I'm sure you're, you know that the CEO of Target recently resigned because they had a, some sort of security breach in their servers, and, and lots and lots of People's credit card information was stolen. Um, you've had, like, in the past year or two, you've had uh, huge companies getting hacked, like Sony's PlayStation network got hacked, and, um, you know, LinkedIn and, and all sorts of, like, really popular, well-known name brand companies are getting hacked. And so people are getting more and more worried about security. And especially small, medium-sized companies have even more to worry about. They can... Some of them are real targets, and then some of them just have access to targets. Like they might have clients who could be targets. Uh, sorry, I'm using the word target twice, but I mean like a target of a, of a potential hacker who might be looking saying, oh, my God, how can I get to this big company? Well, I can go through one of their vendors, one of their suppliers. So uh, there's more and more, so, more, so and that, more risk. That's interesting that yeah. they would uh, find that route in. So I guess... If the major company like Target um, doesn't secure its access, you know, maybe secures its access from me, the hacker getting into them doesn't really secure as well me, the subcontractor getting in. Exactly. Let's say they're a lawyer, for example. Maybe it's a smaller law firm. Or maybe their security is not up to snuff. Go in through that route and get some very confidential information. One of the things we just read about is that. Uh, Dropbox can be a problem. Why is that something that could be dangerous? So this is kind of interesting. First of all, I love Dropbox, and this is, this is in no way um, a knock on Dropbox. I think it's one of the best services put out in a long time, and you know, I think I'm not alone when I say we love it. We use it all the time. You, know, you want to work on your files here or at home or you know, on your iPad or your iPhone or your Android or just, I mean, anything you want, you know, anytime you need your file and you want to work on it, you just go to Dropbox or you put it in Dropbox. Um, I actually have statistics on this. Something like it's the most widely used file sharing cloud platform. Its customer list has uh, over 2 million businesses, including 95% of the Fortune 
500. So, so whenever you have something that, that's used so much, you know, there's risks associated with it. And it's, it's kind of caught everyone by surprise because they love the platform. But now imagine you're in your, you're at, you're at work and you want to work on a, on a document at home. So what do you do? You take your work document and you drag it into your Dropbox. And then it's sitting there on your home computer when you get there so you can keep working on it. Right? It's also sitting on your laptop. It's also accessible over the web and in your, on your iPad and on your Android. Right? But it's not just you and your work file. It's everyone in your company and all their files. So all of a sudden, I mean, literally six million work files saved to Dropbox every week. So what does that mean is that your corporate data, all your important documents, have suddenly gone into this Dropbox and are scattered everywhere. And you, the company, have no control over them anymore. This is how it turns into a um, kind of a scary security problem. Now, is that something that um, just escapes every in-house IT guy, or I guess maybe small and medium-sized businesses don't really have IT shops, so there's nobody really keeping an eye out on that? Or do you see that happening in large companies, government agencies? I mean, is this something that's pervasive? Because everybody is using it for that convenience. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't deal too much with the really large companies and, and the government, but I can tell you that on the Small businesses, medium-sized businesses, uh, people are starting to, to open their eyes on it. Um, now, some of the organizations, like I bring, come back to law firms, they're, they're very care- most of them are very, very careful about their company files, and many of them have a proprietary in-house document management system, and that's how they keep track of all their files. And um, it's not quite that easy as it is for you and me to drag a file into Dropbox. So I think those, those kind of organizations, uh, law firms, accounting firms, have a bit more of an eye on this. Um, the rest of small businesses, I think it's just something that's beginning to come to light. It's just starting to come to light as a security threat and, and a kind of a loss of control of their data. And I think they're they're beginning to be worried about it. Hey, you know, and why would that be a problem for a small and medium sized company? I mean, what kind of hackers out there besides the ones that you mentioned earlier that are trying to get into big big company databases where they can uh, really make a killing? Um, what's the danger for the small and medium sized company? So there's uh, there's I see it in kind of two uh, I, I see it with two lenses. One is the, is the danger to, to the actual data, right? So you have a, a document, and now that document is no longer on your file server. You've dragged it into Dropbox, and, um, and it's scattered. So it's scattered on people's home machines and laptops, and who knows whether their virus protection's up to date, whether they've got proper anti-spyware at home or on their laptops, um, or whatever other computers they've installed it on. So it does become much easier for hackers to go after those other devices, especially if they're not secure, because most, most of the hacking is done automatically. You know, it's like there's, I guess, what do you call them, like um, bots or like, you know, scripts.
scripted programs that these hackers are running, just canvassing the Internet, looking for little security holes. Um, so just spreading out that data like that makes it less secure. But the other piece is that you actually lose control of your data. So if you're a company and you've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars into a file server to give everyone proper access to the documents and secure documents, and then someone just bypasses all that by taking the document and putting it into Dropbox, and then they leave your company. Well, how do you get your data back? You can't. That's a pretty interesting situation and conundrum, but we're going to take a break. We're going to get back to telling you more about confidential collaboration, secure business file sharing in today's cybercrime-laden environment, although Hainan has told us that uh, the whole cyber area isn't crime-laden, but we're going to get him to prove that to us. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's the 27th of July, 2014. We're going to take a break. We're going to give you the national news, and we're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's Sunday, July 27, 2014. And we're talking to Hainan Landa about confidential collaboration, secure business file sharing in today's cybercrime-laden environment. And uh, before the break, we're talking about a, an interesting topic, but I'm going to hold off on that because I'm going to first ask Hainan to... Uh, Tell us what Optimal Networks is all about. Uh, you, you are too kind. Um, Optimal Networks, we're a managed IT services company, which in English means that if you have a network in your office, we can help you take care of it. And we do that for small, medium-sized companies, probably up to about 250 people and down to about 10 folks. We also do quite a bit of technology consulting, so we can help businesses put together IT plans, strategic IT plans, and then the last and kind of most exciting thing that we're doing is we have a whole very secure and uh, very premium level cloud service that um, if you just have no desire to have to deal with technology and servers and workstations, you can just throw all that stuff out the window and let us provide it to you kind of like electricity. So I don't have to worry about the security at all then? No, we take care of it all for you. That's that's what I pay security experts for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And what's your website in case our listeners want to follow up with you? It's www.optimalnetworks, with an S at the end, .com. Okay, great. Back to the topic at hand. We were sort of talking about something called data sprawl. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about why you feel that's a big deal. I think to summarize it, I... I really worry that when your company's data gets strewn out on many, many different devices, laptops, home computers, iPads, Androids, phones, you basically, A, make it very vulnerable because you never know how secure those different things are. Is the virus protection on that laptop really up to date and working? You just don't know. And B, you lose control of that data. So if your employee has used Dropbox or some other similar package to share a file out on their laptops and home computers, 
and then they leave the company for whatever reason, you've lost control of that information. So those, those are the well, big that's, that's scary stuff. So how come we haven't seen this advertised, published, you know, people making a big deal about this? It sounds uh, potentially very serious for small and medium-sized businesses who don't keep track of this because either they don't understand it, they don't know it's a potentially big problem, or people just do it willy-nilly. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's a malicious thing, right? I think people are, in general, trying to be uh, more productive. They're trying to work at home. They're trying to work on the road. Uh, but the net result of everyone doing it just spreads your data to the winds. And so... It's just now, because of the incredible uh, popularity of Dropbox, it's just now starting to come to light as a great personal solution, but maybe something that needs to be revisited and, and, and be a little wary of on a business level. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, from what you're saying is I don't think uh, it sounds like people are maliciously putting stuff out there and... Uh, you know, trying to weaken their their organizations. Like, uh, I just started a new Tom Clancy book, Support and Defend, and the whole premise of that book is cybercrime, but for the purpose of, you know, espionage and, and malicious. So I don't think we're talking about that's a whole different cadre of, of hacking, right? Correct. Yeah. I think that if... If someone wants to be malicious, especially if they're inside your company, uh, you're going to have a hard time preventing against that. But this is just by virtue of not paying attention to it as a threat. Um, I think companies are, are, are putting themselves in a bit of a precarious situation. I think you may have answered this already, but... Uh... Can you tell us what the consumerization of IT is? Oh, sure. And in fact, this is a perfect question because that is um that's where this all started. So, a few years ago, you know, the um the iPhone came out a few years ago. I don't know how long has it been out. I don't really know. But oh, a when, while. A while. But when it first came out, or maybe a, another iteration when it started getting really popular, uh in companies BlackBerry was the device, and the reason IT departments loved Blackberries was because they were very secure, and they could keep tabs on them, and they can wipe them clean remotely, and there's all sorts of things they could do that you couldn't do with an iPhone. But in law firms, the partners would come in with an iPhone and hand it to the IT person and say, set this up for me. I want to get my email on this iPhone. And CEOs would come into companies and hand it to their uh, hand an iPhone or an iPad to their um, IT person and say, set this up for me. I got this for Christmas. I really want to use this, and I want my email on it. And so what was happening was a complete shift. The people who traditionally controlled IT, the IT department or the IT director people or, or IT consultants, people who were in the IT business trying to come up with solutions for their clients, uh, those were the people traditionally controlling IT, but the the entire dynamic shifted, and the the devices, the smartphones, and that, and the laptops, and the Androids, and all those things got so enticing on a consumer level that all the consumers who were buying this technology came into their company and said, "Make this work," and 
it changed the dynamic, and that was the trend was called consumerization of IT. So even that, even oh, I mean even though we're primarily focused here on the small to medium sized businesses, I gotta believe there's a lot of uh, larger companies as well, even with more secure IT shops and and network protocols, where that still could be a problem. Yeah, this is so the. So really, the consumerization of IT was a dynamic that IT departments had to to figure out and work with, and most of them did a pretty good job. They became more responsive. They they figured out how to bring in those different devices into their systems in a secure way, and more or less, they did a good job. Um, It's that same trend that has brought Dropbox to the table. Everyone's using Dropbox at home. They're putting pictures in it and videos in it, and they're sharing it with their friends. And then they want to get the stuff at work, so they load it up on their work computer, and suddenly they have it at work. And then all of a sudden it works the other way, where they take the work files and put them into the Dropbox, thus spreading it out everywhere else. So it was really and, uh, this. Just, just yeah. to clarify the problem with Dropbox is once it's out there, it's easily accessible. Is that the the problem? I mean, even though, you know, Dropbox is on your machine, other people, how, how does that create the the problem? So let's say that um, you put a sensitive work document in Dropbox and you have Dropbox loaded up on your computer at home in order to work on it. So you that might be fine, but maybe that same computer at home is the one that your kids are using. And... Your kids are on the Internet surfing I don't know what sites, and they click on something and they download virus or they download spyware that this is how hackers get into these machines. They get someone to click on something and and it downloads into the machine and then it starts reporting all that data that's on the machine and that's how they get access to information. Basically, it's the insecurity of the device that you have at home. Correct. It's not the same it's thing like, you have exactly. like all sitting the on your effort that you That you put on a company level to keep all your systems secure and all your data secure, Dropbox just bypasses that. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're going to ask uh, Hainan what we can do about this when we come back. This is Tom Dioria on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 27th of July, 2014. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 27th of July, 2014. And we're talking to Hainan Landa, who's the CEO of Optimal Networks, and he's providing some great insights into uh, the cybercrime-laden environment that if you have a small or medium-sized business and kids that use iPads and you're throwing stuff on Dropbox, which is my next question, um, how do we get out of this? Is Dropbox the only, the major problem here, or are there other things? I mean, um, I, let's so, say I have an iPad, uh, and I use it at work, and then I just move a file over to it. I mean, does that create the same potential problem as if I have thrown it into Dropbox? 
you have a lot more control over what you're doing if you just moved one file into your iPad, right? Because it's just going on the iPad and it's not going anywhere else. The thing with Dropbox okay. is wherever you, wherever you had it loaded, uh, it was it moved that it put that file in all those places because it synchronizes the files to everybody to every single hard drive. And gotcha. and again, it's not just you, right? It's if you have a company of ten people, you, you probably have ten people doing it at least once a day. And and then you don't really. It's just a, a basic loss of control of your data. You don't know where it's going. So what do you recommend and, besides not so, using Dropbox? So actually, I would never say that because I do love Dropbox. I think, I think especially for personal use, it's great. And there's some other personal use consumer-grade products that are out there um, that are good. Uh, Mosey has one. But um, from a company point of view, I think I would attack this on two levels. Um, one is I would, I would look at it from a policy point of view, right? So what are your company policies when it comes to file sharing, right? And we can talk about how okay. to come up with a policy. But one, is, one, one way to attack this is what are, you, what are your company policies when it comes to file sharing? Am I allowed to use Dropbox? Am I not allowed to use Dropbox? Am I allowed to take files home? Am I not allowed to take files home? What can I do with them? Second, I would look at the tools available to the market that are more secure. And uh, this is really very important because I think what Dropbox has shown us by its popularity is that people want this. This is terrific. You can take a file and drag it into this folder and bam, you can work on it everywhere. So all we're saying is we've got to find a way to do this more securely. So there's lots of... There's lots of programs out there, or lots of companies putting out services that are more secure. Um, and I can reel off a few. There's uh, Box.com. It's more secure. SugarSync. It's more secure. There's a company called Ignite with a Y doing some very interesting thing. And even Optimal Networks. We have even uh, released recently a very secure corporate file sharing program a service called SafeShare. So. Everyone's trying to find a solution for this kind of this gaping hole left by Dropbox. Dropbox actually released Dropbox for Business, uh, but overall it's, it's not gotten the greatest reviews in terms of its security levels. So it hasn't really resolved any or many of the issues that, that you're discussing here. What did they no, attempt to do? Not, not enough of them. I think they, they tried to give some centralized control over the... Um, over the account so that you could set it up for, for work. I mean, see, I would look at it kind of from the point of view of your file server. So if you have a company and you had an, have a network and at the center of this network is your file server, which you have spent a lot of money on to make sure it's housing your company files very securely and they're backed up and um, every single person has a login and they can only access certain files, you want to make sure that that level of security is translated to whatever file sharing solution you put in place. So can you assign different securities to different people? Can you control all the accounts? Here's one of the big things that uh, some of these new solutions are, are doing, which is if, a com if an employee leaves your company, 
you can turn off their account and it will by default go out and wipe those directories, wipe out those documents wherever they are. Okay, very, very important um, feature to have. Some of these uh, products will integrate with your file server that you have in your office. So they'll actually share out the documents. It's almost like instead of Dropbox, it's like your file server is partly in the cloud and and shared out with the same permissions that you spent so much time creating internally inside your, your network. What do you feel is the most important thing these companies should be looking for or ask their uh, service providers, assuming that you know they don't have optimal networks around the corner? I mean, how do they ensure yeah. that whatever solution they're going to put in is is going to protect them? And I guess the other half of that question is, if I've already got stuff out on Dropbox, uh, how do I get it back? Right. The only way to get it back, and I kind of put this in quotes, the only way to get it back is to put in place a policy that says you can't use Dropbox and tell all your employees to delete those files out of their Dropbox. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons it's, it's insecure. That file's out there, and you don't have control over it. Um, so I, I really do advocate the whole policy bit, right? Think, think it through. What, what do you want your employees doing with, um, with their files? How do you want them to share it? Do you want, you know, some lawyers, some law firms, I think I mentioned earlier, have uh, document management systems, and those document management systems give you a secure, password-protected portal where they can share those documents with their clients or outside counsel, things like that. Very protected stuff. Their policy might be that's the only way you do it, and that would be perfectly legitimate. Somebody else, is, somebody else might not care what I'm talking about. You know, they might be like, there's nothing on my network of any great value. I'm more than happy for my employees to have Dropbox. So you really have to think about it in terms of your business and, you know, are you under any compliance restrictions? Are you HIPAA compliant? Or do you have to be HIPAA compliant? You know, Sarbanes-Oxley, PCI, all those um, government regulations. And um, and think through, if you are, if you aren't, how much, how you want to do the access. We have some clients who are literally blocking the installation of Dropbox at work, like they put on their firewall a way to block it. Um, so that's that's the policy piece of it. Then there's the how do you pick the right package? And, um, you know, I have a couple of little bullet points. The first is you want to make sure that whatever solution you put in place is centrally administered. Okay, just like your file server, you want your file sharing solution to be centrally administered, which means you have control over all the accounts that are set up, and you can wipe those accounts. You want to make sure it integrates with your existing network and your applications. You want to make sure it reads your the files on your file servers and can uh, make them available to you securely on approved devices. So... Those are some of the things. You also want to make sure you can duplicate the levels of security that you have on your network. Um, and I know this is crazy. You also want to make sure it's very easy to use. This is one of the nicest things about Dropbox. And if you don't find a way to make it easy for your employees or your company to share their files the way they use Dropbox, they just won't use it. So I don't know if that helps. Those are just a few tips. Now, those are some great recommendations. I really appreciate you taking the time to share them with us as well. Uh, this is a great show, and I think our listeners uh, hopefully will at least be aware that there's an issue out there. 
That would be terrific if I've been able to help. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Next week, we're going to be live from our New York offices with our Week in Review. We're going to have Steve Papermaster discussing the future of microchip and computing. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dan Dioria, Dave Brandon, and Jose Batista for the Week in Review. Taylor Redden's our producer, Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And without Robert Bomback in the KFNX AM 1100 production department, not a word we said would you hear. Thank you again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. New York on KFNX AM 1100. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening.